0: To all the dads here, and those of you watching online, and thank you for watching online if you are, or see this later. Happy Father's Day to all of you! Wow, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Yes. Praise God! And uh, I don't know. I don't either. Kim, either Kim snuck a peek at my notes, or the Holy Spirit informed her, or maybe He informed me of what He was up to. Uh, so. Yeah, it's great to be in the house of God, and I love it when God uh, connects the dots and brings things together. We're in a series right now entitled Solomon Says, and it kind of is based on that kid's time kind of thing that we used to play, Simon Says. and Whenever Simon says to do something, the, the way you win the game is that you follow it precisely as long as you do what Simon says. Uh, but if you don't, you lose. Well, Solomon, when he speaks and you read the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, even the song of Solomon, Solomon was, the Bible says, the wisest man that ever, ever lived before his time and after his time. He was also a prolific writer and a composer, really. He wrote, the Bible tells us that he wrote 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. That guy was was busy, plus he had 700 wives. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. So anyway, he's amazing. But whenever Solomon speaks, it would be good for us to pay attention to what he's saying. In fact, God gives us that portion of the Bible, what we call the wisdom literature, because we are told in the New Testament, Paul time and time again says, I'm praying for you that you would walk in the wisdom and understanding of God. And so one, one of the ways, it's not a guessing game. You can kind of look it up. It's an open book test. You can kind of go to the places where there are wisdom literature in the Bible. It's not just literature. It's actually the Word of God. And you can read that and understand that and begin to apply that to your life. And so we're, we're talking about this idea. Last week we talked about this idea of uh, the fear of God and um, the title of that message was fear God and fool proof your life and so that's the idea God what, there it's important that we fear the Lord today I want to talk about something different I actually want to talk about the discipline of God so we haven't gotten any nicer uh, fear of God now today we're going to be talking about the discipline of God and uh, just to kind of get us started I want to read I want to read three different Proverbs to you. Okay, so, and I'll give you the title of what Solomon says about that. So, in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, this is what Solomon said. He said, The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, the cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die. Let astray by their own great folly. Proverbs 15 and 10 says, stern discipline awaits the one who leaves the path. The one who hates correction will die. Proverbs 23 verses 13 and 14 says, don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well well save them from death. So in those three passages of Scripture, there was a a, um, a connecting kind of idea. And it had to do between life and death. And Solomon says to us today, be disciplined or die, essentially. So I know that sounds hyperbolic and maybe a little over the edge, but we'll explain a little bit about what he's talking about there today. Father, we ask uh, that you would just... Let your grace settle in our hearts and in this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for already introducing us to this idea of what you're wanting to do in our lives and what you're up to in our hearts. I pray today that the word would bring either further definition or understanding or help us to settle some issues in our own soul today. We invite you to have your way over these next few moments. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, this could be for me or for you. Go ahead and tell them that. And uh... (laughs) so from the scriptures that we read here, it's clear that true godly discipline is the key to a happy, healthy, holy And I believe honorable life. Godly discipline is so important. And the converse of that is true though as well. That an undisciplined lifestyle is one of the reasons why we suffer loss. And why we suffer pain and why we suffer even death in life. A lack of discipline in a person's life can result in the death of their marriage very, you know, a lot of people talk about falling in and out of love, but sometimes people can lose their marriage, not because they don't love the person anymore, they love the person, but they lack discipline in their own heart, or in their own life, or in their own attitude, or in their own way of thinking, and as a result of that, that was like, the fox that spoiled the vine, it ate away at the foundation to the point where it crumbled and they were like, I love them, I'll always love them. You know, but I just couldn't get my life together. And so sometimes it's the death of a marriage. It could be the death of a family. It could be the death of our own children. If we neglect this idea of training up our children and the fear and the admonition of the Lord, that could come back to haunt the lives of our children and we can see not necessarily physical death, but death in other ways in their lives. It can be the death of our own physical health and mental well-being. When I lack discipline, when I am unreceptive to the discipline of the Lord or lack discipline in my own life, it can, it can wreak havoc on my own emotional state and my own mental state. Mental health issues today are a great uh, problem in our society. And much of that isn't just because, you know, it's just a new thing. This is a result, I think, in some form or fashion, of a lack of discipline. It can be the death of joy. It can be the death of fulfillment and meaning in life. It can certainly, this lack of discipline, can be the death of a society, of a culture, Paul said in, in the last days perilous times are going to come and he said people will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God and they will be brutal and they will be disobedient to parents and they will lack self-control and what we're seeing in our cultures today is a lack of godly discipline and it's it's hard to watch but it's even harder to live amen so now we're not going to we're not going to talk about them we're going to talk about me and you amen i know it sounds really over the edge be disciplined or die but we're not just talking about physical death we're talking about death in many ways of our lives and our living and our relationships and our own uh emotional well-being jesus said the thief comes to steal kill and destroy I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you are up for abundant life? Well, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. But the life that Jesus offers is not just an automatic. We were born in sin. We live in sin. We're going to die in sin unless we encounter the life of Jesus Christ that can raise us from the dead and give us new life and a new lease on life. Amen. Amen. And uh, so, so Jesus wants us to live, but a part of that is this uh, taking hold of the life of Jesus is, first of all, a decision we have to make. We need to decide to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we do, the Bible says, we are forgiven of all of our sin, and we are made alive at that very moment when you give your heart to Jesus. But there is another side to this coin Of receiving the life of Jesus. You make a decision for him. And you're saved. But then you need to live. In the discipline of Jesus. In order to live out the salvation that he has for you. Because we call it discipleship. There are a lot of Christians. Who are saved. But they're suffering loss. In many different areas of their lives. And it's not because God hasn't saved them. It's because they lack discipline. Amen. And they're not disciplining themselves in the Lord. And so here they are. Born again. They're not what they used to be. But they are living out of an old self, making decisions out of an old way of thinking, not hearing what Jesus said. Go and make disciples, in other words, disciplined people to observe all that I have said. So you don't get this you don't just get to decide for Jesus and now you you're good to go and you don't you're not going to go to hell you you're not going to go to hell but you also want to live in the abundant life Amen And that my friends and this is what we're not going to like today requires discipline requires discipline so we read the scripture out of proverbs 5 23 it says for the lack of discipline they will die ouch death and loss and pain comes because we lack discipline it's better to be disciplined and live amen than to reject or neglect discipline and die So what does this look like? Well, let's talk about it. Uh, Solomon has quite a bit to say. Going to look at a lot of different scriptures again today on this idea of what it means to be disciplined. To be disciplined, or if we're going to truly walk in the discipline of God and live, number one, we need to submit to God's discipline in our life. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5 says, Know then, in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Just a few moments ago by the Holy Spirit, the word came, "I am disciplining you." It says right here in deuteronomy chapter eight, chapter eight, verse five, don't know this in your heart that your Heavenly Father disciplines you. This is Father's Day, right? And we know that God, our Heavenly Father, will discipline us because we are His children. He's not a mean, angry, disciplinarian who seeks to cause pain and trying to get evil with even with us that's not what we're talking about but a father who understands the necessity to train up your children to bring guidance to your children to bring instruction into the lives of your children and yes at some points even to bring correction correction Like the Lord said this morning again, I'm correcting you. Amen. He does do this for your good. How many of us fathers have said that in a moment when we were bringing down the hammer on our children, so to speak? I'm doing this for your own good. Amen. Amen. I used to say, "Yeah, right," not out loud. <laughs> if you've ever met my dad, Happy Father's Day, Dad. Let's get a feel for what we're talking about, even more so. This is in the New Testament. It's lengthy, but we need to hear it today. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11 says, "And have you completely forgotten?" this word of encouragement that addresses you as fathers addresses his sons. Now he's going to quote from Proverbs. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. You guys have the same thing, or did I give the wrong? Okay, sorry. Uh, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord... Disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or his daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. (coughs) Excuse me. But how much more should we submit? Everybody say submit. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our own good. In order that we may share in His holiness, or the word, another way of looking at the word holiness is in His wholeness. We want to be made well, completely through and through in every aspect of our life, and to walk in the wholeness of God. We have to be and we must undergo and be submitted to His discipline. He said, Lost my place. Verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So what this verse of Scripture tells us is the reason that Father God disciplines us is because He loves us. Bottom line, he loves you. And he says, if you weren't mine, I wouldn't even take the time. Another translation, a kind of an older translation, would be that if you were illegitimate, in other words, if you didn't belong to him, he wouldn't take the the effort to take time to discipline you, but it's because he loves you that he has to do this. Amen. Now don't go quiet on me. We're not not in the woodshed. We're just talking about it. Amen. And so the very reason that Father disciplines us, not punishes us in in the strict sense of the word, not condemns us, but takes time to discipline us, instructing us in his way, Correcting us when we get off course and really for our own protection. What he's really doing is protecting us from further harm. If we'll submit to it, if we'll take the time to say, okay, you're God and I'm not and you're my father and I'm the son and I'm the daughter and whatever you want to do to get me where you are, I'm I'm willing to go there. And it's painful. It's not always fun. But boy, is it productive. Amen. But it's, we don't like the pain. And so we try to circumvent it. We try to go around it. We try to ignore it. We try to live life outside of it. And when when we get into painful situations, rather than leaning in and submitting to the Father, we pull away or we run away. Not you, of course, but the person next to you. Godly discipline is not to condemn you, but it is to correct you. Amen. So when God disciplines us, you know what what we read here? He said, first of all, just accept it. Here's a way. (laughs) One time my dad told me, son, you got to take your medicine. Amen. He said right here in the in he said, don't do, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. In other words, accept it. Don't treat it as unnecessary. Stay teachable, stay trainable. Know this. If the Lord is doing it, you need it. Proverbs 12 and 1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. And I looked up three other translations and they all use the same word, stupid. (laughs) Amen. Wowzer, that's in the Bible. When I was growing up in our house, that was the S word. We couldn't call each other stupid. That was the bad word. But here it is in the Bible, so I'm just going to say it all the time now. <laughs> so he says, accept it. Then he says, endure it. He said, do not lose heart when the Lord disciplines you. And sometimes discipline is really hard because you just want to give up because it's hard it's painful it's not fun it's not a fun place to be but it's a necessary place if i if i have to be there if i'm there and father knows best then it's the right place for me to be and he said don't lose heart in the process of what god is doing but i also want to add to that this idea of don't don't give up on yourself in it either Because sometimes what happens when we find ourselves at a point of discipline, and Caitlin referred to this in this idea, that when God begins to do a work, it's not shame. He doesn't want you to walk in shame and disgrace and feel this overwhelming sense of embarrassment or like you can never live up to, you know, you'll never make it, you'll never get better. No, the point that you're there is God sees in you what you don't see in yourself. Don't give up on yourself. Don't lose heart in yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. We all have to go through these times. We all do. And it doesn't make you a, less, a lesser person. It just identifies you even more that you belong to Him. Because He's taken the time to love you this way. And it's because you and I need it. And then I love how he said here too, he said accept it, endure it, and really understand it. Understand what's going on because when he said, and this is right there in the scripture, it says endure hardship as his discipline. Now this is the one I don't want to even talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Because it's right here. Have you ever been in a hardship? Have you been in a hard place? Have you been dealing sometimes with hard people? Have you been going through some hard things? The scriptures say right here, endure hardship as discipline. Discipline. I don't believe that God disciplines by inflicting us with disease or causing us to fall into some pattern of sin. That's not God's discipline, but God will allow us and God will lead us through places that are hard. Because there's a work going on and there's a development going on and there's a stretching going on. And we're like, God, you should... Why are you allowing this in my life? Don't you love me? And he's like, yep, I sure do. <laughs> and I got you right where I want you. You read this all through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied about what was going to happen through to the children of Israel because of their rebellion against God. And all the while, he says, you're going to go through a very difficult place. You're going to be carried off into Babylonia. But just know this, I'll be with you in the wilderness. I'll make a way in the desert. When you go through the flood, it will not consume you. But I'm doing a work. I'm bringing you right where I want you to be. And it's going to be difficult in the process. Painful. But I won't leave you. (laughs) Amen. Hardship. Hardship is so hard. It's painful. And I love what he said. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. But later on. Everybody say later on. But later on. I love that. Later on. I want to be it later on. I don't want to be there later on. I want to be it later on right now. Amen. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And what what he's saying here is if you and I will submit to the Father's discipline, it's preparing us for greater things. See, we want greater things, we just want greater things, like winning the lottery. I can give up a dollar to win a million. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. The way it works in the kingdom of God and God's economy is you got to put in the time of letting Him discipline you and take you through and develop you. And Jesus even said, the one who is faithful with the little will be faithful with the much. But if you can't learn it in the little, you'll never be able to handle the much. And so God is saying, I'm going to work on you here. Because I have better things in mind for you. Amen. And so, Solomon says, be disciplined or die. Amen. And how do we live in the true godly discipline of the Lord? Number one, we have to submit. To the father's discipline. And then number two. We need to develop. Self discipline. Now. If we will take care of business in our heart. Less business has to be taken care of by. The big guy. Dad. Amen. Come on. Can I get a good amen. So. I might need water. Thank you, Julie. Yes, as Isaac said, this is that awkward moment. <clears throat> so the Father disciplines us, and we need to submit to it. But then we need to learn how to discipline ourselves. And Solomon has, says a lot about this in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to dig into it. I want to show you Proverbs chapter 25. Verse 28, Solomon writes and he says, A person without self-control or self-discipline is like a city with broken down walls. In ancient cities and in ancient times, they would build these little communities and then they would build walls around the community because there was a lot of marauding kind of different cultures living amongst themselves. And it's been the same from time from the time of the fall of man, even to today, people are in life a lot of times in, for themselves, and uh, they will still kill and rob and destroy. And so in these little communities, there wasn't like police officers, and sometimes they didn't even have weapons. And so what, what they would do is build these communities and build walls that would protect them and defend them and help them to withstand attack. And so when Solomon said a person without self-discipline is like a city with broken down walls, he was saying that if you lack discipline, if you're not working on self-control, you are defenseless in life, you are vulnerable to attack, you will be full of insecurity, and you will be, you will be gripped by fear in your life. And it's because... As the old King James says, you don't have the rule over your own spirit. Amen. So God disciplines us, but Solomon said it'd be a good idea that you and I learn to walk in self-discipline. To have the rule over our own spirit. Over our own heart. Amen. And so I know what you're saying out there. You're saying, well, I've tried, and I just can't do it. Like I've fallen, and I can't get up. No, you can do this. Because whatever God calls us to in the Bible, the book of Proverbs included, is God's word to you and me. Stop making excuses for yourself. If there are places that you and I need to get you know, really press in and get healed, maybe we need to go through a sozo and, and get a head start, so to speak. I, th- I think ministries like that are like, a, you know, a good head start in God's healing process and delivering process, but it isn't going to end there. It may start there, or that may help in the process, but it won't end there. Amen. You're going to have to take rule over your own heart. Amen. And the power of self-discipline is that it protects us from a chaotic life. How many of you would like to not have such a chaotic life? And so there's power in it. And this, this idea of self-discipline, there's a process to it as well. So I want to talk about this. How do we develop this self-discipline in our lives? How do we get involved in what God is doing in our hearts? Number one, we need to take full responsibility of us. Take full responsibility of you. You know who's responsible for you? You. Not the government. (laughs) Not anybody else. You are responsible for yourself. People can't want your health and healing more than you want it. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? (laughs) You and I have to take responsibility. Paul understood this. Listen to what Paul said. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and following. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Listen to those words. I don't think for a moment that Paul was questioning the security of who he was in Jesus. But he was saying That if I don't walk in self-discipline, take responsibility for my own thought life, my own actions, my own reactions, my relationships around me, the temptations that I face, if I don't take responsibility for myself and keep myself in the game, then I could lose. I could suffer loss and I could experience the death of things that I wouldn't have to experience had I been paying attention. Had I been applying myself. Because it's my job. Jesus is my Savior. I made a decision for Him. But now He said to me, now discipline yourself in my ways. After my word. Following my spirit. Amen. Are you out there? Take responsibility for yourself. There was a church a very large church that had all these programs that they offered to their church in fact it was willow creek church over in chicago and this this study came out probably about a decade ago now but they had all these different programs they had overcoming drug and alcohol addiction they had marriage things they had discipleship things they had they had all, for whatever need for whatever need grip, gripping human society and people the, the struggles that they go through they offered all of these classes and people went through them and then they did a study because they would see that there was just kind of a revolving door many times going through it over and over and over again and they're like what is going on we're offering this we're hoping that people will get the knowledge and step into the reality of the truth. And, and then it won't be a problem anymore in their life. And, but we're seeing a revolving door, of kind of the same thing over and over. And they did a study. And in this study, they came back and they put it out. The whole world read it. You can go online and see it. And they basically said the key to people's victory and freedom and growth is not taking a class. It's taking responsibility you got to put it to work. Don't think that you're going to get a quick fix. Quick fixes don't work. You've got to take responsibility and grind it out. Get in the race and run. Train your body. Train your heart. Train your mind. Train your emotions. Amen. Stick with it. Hallelujah. Take responsibility for you. Second thing I think that's so important is get a vision for your life. Get a vision for your life. Right out of the book of Proverbs 29, 18, he says, and I think this is important, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. There's no discipline, there's no self-control, there's no kind of aiming toward the goal. If you don't have a vision for your life, who's going to have a vision for your life? I can barely see for myself, right? You, you, we just, but you've got to get a vision. And I love what the, the English uh, Standard Translation, how it, it uh, translates that scripture, a prophetic vision, it's, it's a now word of God. It's a now direction of God. It's a, it's, something, it's a vision that comes from God for your life. and You've got to get that vision. Say, so well, I don't see it. I, I, I can't see it. Ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to take the scales from your eyes. Because if you don't know where you want to go or where God wants you to go, if you don't have a vision, you're not going to go anywhere. You're just going to show up. You're just going to go through the same cycle. Round and round we go. There needs to be a vision. There needs to be an aim. There needs to be a clarity out there. And Solomon said, where there is no vision, the people just cast off restraint. There's no restraint. I don't, I don't walk the line, so to speak. And I'm not talking about perfectionism. I'm talking about direction, the way that God would have us to go. And we just find ourselves meandering off because we don't have a vision where do you want to be as a father where do you want to be as a husband where do you want to be in business where do you want to be in the dreams and the desires that god has put in your heart what is it that is out in front of you that you see it and if you don't see it ask god how many times did people who were blind came to the Lord or brought to the Lord. And Jesus healed them in a variety of ways. Sometimes he just spoke it and they were healed. Sometimes he spit on mud on the ground and made a little clay and rubbed it on their eyes and told them to go wash off. Other times he put drug them out of town and he spoke healing over them. And then he said, do you see anything? They said, well, I see trees like people walking. In other words, I see now, but I don't see clearly. And what did he do? He prayed again. In other words, the point is, if you don't see it, Get your sight. Ask God to open your eyes. Say, God, I need a vision. I need to see where I need to be. God, show me in your word. Talk to me. Bring me. God, open my eyes to see the target, the goal, the place. Amen. Amen. This is all about self-discipline. Discipline your life. Take full responsibility. Get a vision for your life. Number three, then establish a routine and stick with it. Amen. Routine. Everybody say routine. Now, routine can turn into rote, kind of, I heard someone say routine can lead to rote to lead to a rut. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it'd be better to be in some of our ruts than to be out Where some of us are in the swamp. Amen. I don't know if that was dumb. But anyway, I'll... (laughs) Establish a routine, a godly spiritual routine in your life and stick with it. Amen. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Too much of our living sometimes is in shortcutting all the way through our life, taking the shortcut to this and the shortcut to that and the quick fix, fix, uh, fix to this and the hasty decision to that, and then we wonder why we 're so chaotic why things are falling apart why can't why can't I get this together why Why does it feel like everything's falling apart around me it 's not because god doesn't love you, and it 's not because you're such a terrible person, it's a person who lacks discipline and the rule over their own heart. If you belong to God, he does discipline you to help you train you, but he does expect you to step up to the game. Amen. And so we got to get a routine in our life. I love that scripture if you go back to it for me liz good planning everybody say good planning get a plan for your life get a plan for your days get a plan for your week julie every time she takes a day when i take a day off i'm like just clear the way don't touch me don't talk to me (laughs) i just want the day to happen julie makes the plan you know what? the first thing she does she makes a list I'm like, what are you doing? It's your day off. Oh, I got things to do. Good planning. She does all the planning for me. In fact, her list becomes my list, quite honestly. I'm so undisciplined. But... Make a plan, because, you know, the old saying goes, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so plans give you direction. Plans give you a goal to aim at. And this idea about establish a routine and stick with it, inconsistency is one of our biggest problems. And I think this sweeps over the whole congregation at some point. Because inconsistency is when you're hot and then you're cold when you're on and when you're off. And when you start things good, but you don't finish things well. And this can happen to any of us. And so we fall into the trap, I think, of inconsistency. And I, I'm not here to shame us. I'm not here to disgrace us. And I'm certainly not here to put legalism on us. Because I hope that we understand that the discipline of the Lord is really a gracious thing. It's a gracious thing, but it's a necessary thing because when we become inconsistent, inconsistent people are easily distracted by temptations or other demands. And I got this to do, but this came up, and boom, I'm off over here. And when I'm not following through with what I need to follow through with with the important things, with the seek the kingdom of God first things, When I neglect that and just trail off after immediate things that arise and take over. You know, some things can wait. Did you know that? You don't have to answer every phone call. Did you know that? You don't have to open every text. Are you aware of that? It can wait. You're not God, you're not everybody's answer. You got a life to live. You got responsibilities yourself. First and foremost to your own personal heart with him. So we get inconsistent because we're distracted. Also inconsistent. Inconsistency is easily discouraged by difficulty. And drops out. And just kind of gives up. I love what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 this is in the new international version he said for the spirit of god for the spirit god gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self discipline the new king james says a sound mind but really what he's talking about is the discipline the discipline right here it starts right here you make your choice when you make your choices you make your choice your choices make you so, if you choose to be distractible, discourageable, I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean. If you make your choice, your choice makes you. But if you choose, to, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm not going to be driven by fear. I'm not going to be driven by, the, by trying to please people. I'm here to please the Lord. I want the Lord to be well pleased with me. Amen. So, number one: take full responsibility of your life. Number two, get a vision for your life. Number three, establish a routine and stick with it. Number four, don't be lazy. Amen. Proverbs 13 and four says, "A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent or the disciplined. Are fully satisfied. Solomon says. A lazy person. Just. Can never get enough of nothing. And a diligent person. They have desires. They have a goal. They have an aim. They have a direction. And they're the ones that are truly satisfied. Some of us. Probably nobody in this room, maybe the second service, we'll find out. Some of us are just comfort-seeking couch potatoes. We like it easy. There are people that would rather be idle than intentional. Being lazy is more pleasurable and uncomplicated, whereas discipline requires effort and it requires faithfulness. Amen. I know this is anticlimactic, but get up and go to church. Get up and read your Bible. Get up and spend time with the Lord. Take time apart to be with your wife and your husband. Be disciplined in your marriage. Take time for each other. Listen to one another. Talk about the day. Talk about the dreams. Talk about the desires. Just be there. Be involved in giving and serving and loving. People because it's not about you. Life isn't just about you and about your well being, about your happiness. And life is a there's a lot of process in life. We are in process. There's a lot of things that we kind of have to kind of walk through and go to and be a part of. But also a part of life is learning how to pivot, like in the moment, and be available and be ready not to be someone's answer, but to. When things come and, 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 you're, and things get shifted in your life, learning how to walk that out and be ready and available in that moment if it's God's leading. Amen. The point is, don't, don't be lazy. That's what God says in his word. When he said, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied, i.e., don't be lazy. That's not going to get you anywhere. Amen. Hey, Amen. I'm going to keep going. Isaac told me to. Which means I only got one more point. And that is, Julie, would you come if you would? Number, the. I don't know what this is, four or five. Stay focused on Jesus. This is how you discipline yourself. Man, today, between what the Holy Spirit brought to us today, and the tongue and interpretation and the devotional idea behind it, and then just this point just really warmed my heart because the key to discipline is the one to whom we are disciples. Jesus. Amen. We are all disciples, and that's what the word disciple really means. One who is disciplined. And so Jesus is our Lord. And how do I get to be disciplined? It's all about Jesus. Staying focused on Jesus. Now, a few moments ago, I read this lengthy portion of Scripture out of Hebrews 12 about how the Father disciplines us. But right before He said all those words about being children of God and God loves us and He disciplines us, here's how He started that chapter. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore we also... and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that, because what the Hebrew writer, and then he goes into this whole thing about enduring hardship, and he actually between, after these words and before he got into that, he said, you have not gone through something like what Jesus has gone through. But do pay attention and go through your stuff like he went through his stuff. And let me just say this I know this is debatable in some circles today Jesus was God has always been God and will forever be God right Jesus was born as a man in this world he was the God man so understand this Jesus never sinned but the Bible tells us now this this is really important The Bible tells us he learned obedience. He practiced self-discipline. He went through hardship, submitting to the Father's plan and purpose. So when Hebrews 1 says, look to Jesus, that's your key of a disciplined life. All the other things, vision and you know, routine and sticking with it and all, all those other things, very important, but it all is summed up right here. Culminates right here. Keep your eye on Jesus. He did it well. He did it for you. Not just as an example, but literally that you could get in the flow of His movement. Kind of get in the flow of His, his, his direction in your life and you just... Get You just cuddle up and get close to Jesus and stay there. And you're going to get where Jesus wants you to be. But if you reject discipline, if you, if you reject the notion, if you don't like the pain, nobody likes the pain. Look, nobody likes it. But it's good for you. Amen. Where do we need to be disciplined? Maybe we need to be disciplined in our thought life, in our purity, in our integrity. Maybe, maybe we need discipline back in our marriage or maybe some other relationship or with our children. Maybe we need discipline right here in our mouth or in our thoughts or in our finances or in our devotional life or in our church availability to the kingdom of God and serving others. Maybe we need to be disciplined in more perseverance. Whatever it is, Let God work it in you. Amen. Let's stand together. Julie, would you, however you want to lead us in this little course, if uh, Liz would be ready maybe to bring up the words, but can I have the prayer people come, by the way, right now, if you would? Those of you who are prayer intercessors this morning, today, as we're singing this song with Julie, if you need prayer about anything that we talked about or any other thing that we didn't talk about, Please come on forward and we'll pray with you. But Julie, lead us in this course. Just worship him right now. Church, make that your prayer I need to know who you are Shown us the way to your heart. So, Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus, more. we need is really just more of you Lord we need more God more grace to just yield to you and submit our hearts to you to say yes to you Lord to say whatever you want to do in our lives to bring us where you want us to be Lord I just pray that that would be our heart as we leave this place today that not only today but throughout this week we just we even mutter those words Lord more of you more of you Jesus more of you is what I need in my life in my quiet life in my public life in my family life I need you Lord God help us today to just yield our hearts to you and surrender all as we sang that song too Lord we just want to surrender to you today and submit our hearts to you today change us God Come on, church, make that your prayer. Just say that to the Lord. Lord, change me from the inside out, Lord. Change me, God, in the way that I'm acting and reacting and thinking and behaving, God. I know that I belong to you, but please, Lord, change me. I give you permission to have your way. Do what you want in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Come for prayer if you need it. Okay, God bless.